PHM Experience, the podcast. This is a production of Powerhouse Ministries in Smyrna, Delaware, and we are going to be bringing you weekly sermons and our midweek services, as well as podcasts and interviews that we think are going to empower and enrich your life. When you're done listening, feel free to share with someone else, because you never know what impact the word may make. Be blessed. third chapter, third verse. Let's get into the word of the Lord. Give me a couple minutes. Release y'all to your football games and your activities. As long as I'm done before one, I'm going to be all right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Each season, we got to deal with something that distracts the people of God's time. Football season is here. Hallelujah. I'm not going to compete with it. I'm just going to finish what I got to do and let y'all be about your business. Hallelujah. The Bible says here, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeneth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell when it cometh, and whether it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be, Jesus? Answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If you have told your earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, church, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And the church said, amen. Amen to the reading of his word. We praise God. I wanted to share with you for a couple of moments. I owe him. Yeah, yeah. Last week we talked about how God has given us uh, the ability to give, the talent, the gifts, the, the ability, the principles of seed time and harvest. We talked about whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so it's imperative that we do not allow Satan to block up our flow. That's one of the words I use 
Amen. There's a flow in your life. There's a flow of blessing that's in your life. And that flow is consistently given to you because you continue to give. I just believe God puts people in our lives to bless, to give to, 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 to be to be patient with, to endure. Sometimes he gives us people to pour into because of the path that we're on. We need somebody to help because we're going to need help eventually ourselves. So, you know, sometimes in our, in our walk with God, we, we find ourselves, if you're not careful, Satan will convince you that you're being used, that someone's taking advantage of you, somebody, amen, is, is getting the best of you. But the truth of the matter is, is that when you give freely, amen, to someone, it doesn't really matter how they respond. It's nice if they're grateful. It's, it's nice if they're thankful. But God has the account of your sacrifice in the seed that you sow in someone else's life. When you give out of your portion, when you give out of your out of your necessity at times for other people, you will see the hand of God interfere. It doesn't matter if they ever pay you back. It doesn't matter if they ever come back and say thank you. We saw the 10 lepers get healed and only one came back, but all 10 kept remained healed. We saw the widow, we saw the woman who was making her last cake and was getting ready to bake it and split it with her son and die in the famine, but God sent somebody into her life at a very important time that she needed to give so she could live. And the prophet comes and tells her, give me some water. And the woman fetches him some water. And the next thing you know, he says, she says, give me something to eat. Well, I was going to make this cake and split it with my son, but he said, give me the cake. The woman amazingly, amen, gave the whole cake to the prophet. The whole prophet, the prophet ate the whole cake right in front of them, didn't offer them any. And then the next thing you know, the woman looks back at the barrel that she scraped just a little while ago, and the barrel that was empty is now full. It's something about when you give your last. It's something about when you give past you. Lord have mercy. There is, see, there, there, is a, there, is a, there is a breaking inside of us that needs to happen because we all have this survival mechanism inside of us. We'll give to a place as long as we're not threatened ourselves. But as soon as we have to give past our threat point, I call it the threat point, we start pulling back. But you know what? I love God because he did not pull back when he thought about us. Jesus, when he was being beat with the rod, beat with the, with the cat of nine tails, when they were mocking him, when they nailed him to the cross, when he actually got to a place in his mental state where he said, Lord, Father, why have thou forsaken me? Oh, glory to God. He stayed on that cross when he could have easily asked the angels of the Lord to come and rescue him, but he stayed in a place past his breaking point because he saw us that needed to be saved. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for teaching us how to give past our breaking point. Thank you, Lord. Anybody that's ever raised any children in the house, you know how it feels to give past your breaking point. Amen. You want to go on vacation, but you send them to camp. Amen. You need a new pair of pants, but you buy them the sneakers they need for gym. Amen. You need to be able to do what you got to do. Amen. But then you, you take care of their project. How many times have you sacrificed your pleasure so your children could have 
have something better. And matter of fact, you intentionally sacrifice because you want their experience to be better than yours. We're not looking for them to come up 20 years later and start paying back what we gave them. We just want them to succeed. We just want them to increase. We really want them to outdo us. We want them to live at a level we ain't never lived at before. A matter of fact, if we do get to live there, we want them to get there faster than it took us to get there. Come on, somebody. Any parent in the house that, please, child, climb on my back and go to the next level. Jump on my back so I can take you to the next level. Because my love goes beyond my pain. That's real giving. That's real giving. When you're crying, but you're still giving it. God said there's an anointing in this season. If you look at the world, the world is teaching us to hoard, to hold, to, to take, to, to, to not give, to, to I got to get mine. I got to do what's best for me. I got to me, myself, and I. Amen. You a sucker. You, 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 you a chump. Amen. People making you feel like you're crazy. Amen. I mean, I mean, me and Sybil went through so much. Oh, my goodness. You got all those kids. You got all these children. How are you ever going to have a life? Just watch us. They couldn't imagine giving that much. We could have joy. They couldn't imagine giving that much. We could have peace. We couldn't imagine giving that much. We could have prosperity. But they didn't know those children had a secret with them. As we sowed into their lives, God released resources. He released favor. He released increase to our lives that we could probably never get if we were just thinking about ourselves. Don't let people mess you up from giving. Oh, you got people saying, oh, no, no, the world is too rough to bring anybody into the world this day and time. I said, this doesn't matter if your parents thought that about you. I ain't going to get on that today. Somebody said, I owe him. Oh, the Spirit of the Lord is here. The Holy Spirit want me to share the scripture of how, uh, how the sacrifice had to be made. How for men to be saved for mankind to be restored, for mankind to have an opportunity to have power and peace and true dominion on earth, we had to be saved. We had to be delivered. And somebody said, well, I don't know why I need to be saved. I don't feel like a sinner. I mean, well, that's fine. It doesn't matter if you feel like it. If you're a man, a man born in sin, is shaping iniquity. Born of a woman is born in sin and shaping iniquity. Amen. Well, you got to understand when you are born, it's not the your works that has caused you to be a sinner. It's the blood that you were born into. And because you were born of the blood of Adam, we were all born in sin and shaping iniquity. And it took someone to make a sacrifice for us to be restored, for our blood to be cleansed. That's why the blood of Jesus is so vital for a believer because that blood has no sin in it. And when we have the blood of Jesus going through our veins, we're walking in a righteousness and a holiness, not that we've earned, but that we have been given. The key word, it's been given. We didn't work for this. It was given to us. We don't deserve it. It was given to me. Y'all, come on, somebody. Hey, glory to God. Did you know what it's like? You know, you didn't have enough money to buy your first car, but your parents gave it to you. You didn't have enough money, hey, man, to buy the thing you needed, but somebody gave it to you, and you were able to wear it and use it without paying the price for it. You were able to look good in it and feel good about it. Hey, Amen. when someone gave it to you out of their increase. And so Jesus is saying here, and we look at 
many of us talk about Jesus and we're excited about the Lord Jesus being such a great prophet. We look at his miracles and his signs and wonders, but that wasn't the reason why he was on earth. He was on the on earth so he could give his life. His purpose to be on earth was to become the second man, Adam, so he could give his life to, to cover, the, not just cover the sins, but replace, to fulfill the judgment. Don't you understand? Jesus didn't save man from death. He became death for man so he, that man could have life. Because God already said there's going to be a judgment and the judgment of mankind was going to be death. And so Jesus comes and says, I will stand in proxy of man and take on the death so that man can walk in the life that I have and the power that I have and the joy that I have and the authority that I have. I'm going to switch places so the same power that's on me can be on my brothers and sisters. That's why I wonder why we walk around here so intimidated, why we walk around here so scared sometimes, why we're afraid of saying Jesus in public when we don't realize the price that was paid, that we could have this blood flowing through our veins, the, the eternal price and the power. Now, if anyone were to ask you, was Jesus powerful? The whole world would say he was powerful. If anyone would ask you, was Jesus, amen, a healer, the whole world would say he was a healer. If anyone would ask you, does Jesus have power over demons and devils, the whole world would say he has power over demons and devils. What's the problem? Because he made the sacrifice to take on the sin curse that was on mankind, don't you understand? We took on, he took on our sin and we took on his power. We're not just saved from hell. We have the power of Jesus in his name. Somebody say, in his name, I can do it. In his name, I got power. If the devil rises up, he might see Dwayne, but when I rise up in my relationship, when I put the mantle of Jesus on, I can say, in the name of Jesus, and that devil got to go. Don't you understand when lack hits your life and when you don't have enough resources, amen, to take care of business? Don't you understand the Bible teaches us about Jesus? When Jesus was down to a couple people, pieces of fish and loaf, he said, tell everybody to sit down. We're going to pray over what we've got. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to pace the floor. I'm going to show you what happens when you walk in the power of Jesus. Just begin to pray about what you have, not what you don't have, and you will see God begin to multiply that thing. If you look at your situation as yourself, you'll always be lacking. But if you look at it through the eyes of Jesus, there's always going to be plenty. Holy Ghost. Somebody say, I owe him. To owe God is something that, just like our children, in a way, owe us, but we never expect for them to pay us back. The way we pay our family back, my mother and my father back, we give them homage respect, honor, and the truth is that the best, way we can, the best way we can really pay our parents back is to win, to win in life, to overcome the generational curses, to break through even in the area. Sometimes our parents push us across a line that they haven't been able to go across themselves. And the best thing we can do is win on that side. The same thing about Jesus, he, he paid that price on that cross for us. He paid the price and gave his life for us so that we could live and not die. 
that we can have abundance and not poverty, so we can have authority and not be a slave. He, he, he paid that price so we could have the, 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 the preeminence of, of a power on planet Earth, and all we've got to do is walk it out. We got to walk out what he sacrificed for. And that's why I get kind of confused sometimes. It's hard to live, say, people say. It's difficult to be a Christian. It's tough in this day and time. If you understand the sacrifice that was made for the blood that's on your life, if you understood what somebody did so you could have peace in the midst of a storm, if you understood, you take for granted that you know what to do in the midst of struggle and trial. You take for granted other people lose everything and they jump out of windows, but you fall on your face and cry out to God and things shift with one prayer. You begin to declare things and speak things and they start to happen. You take for granted that the power of God is on your tongue and whatever you say out your mouth, it becomes in your presence. It's hard to live saved. It ain't hard to live saved when you understand the price that's been paid already. Oh, it's hard to live saved. All these devils, you got the authority over all the devils. You got to stop dealing with them with your own strength to deal with them with the power of God that's on your life. Somebody share with me and declare with me, I got power. Can you say it boldly this morning, declare and decree, I got power. You don't, you don't sound like you do. You sound kind of weak. Come on, say it now. I got power. Yeah, that's what you got. You got power right now. Amen. Well, I need, I, I need Bishop to pray for me. That's fine. Bishop will pray for you. But there's going to be some time Bishop ain't around. And you got to know you got what you need to have to get through what you're going through. Somebody jump on your feet and say, I've still got power. Do you understand that in your weakest state, you are stronger than your greatest enemy? In your weakest state, when you don't even feel like you're saved, you still, the enemy is still trembling. Because he knows if you just say the name of Jesus, he's going to have to bow. I got to get the church. I got to get the bishop. I got to get the, my prayer partner. We are so interdependent on other people's relationship. Because we don't recognize the relationship we have ourselves. He ain't going to hear me because I'm still struggling with this. Don't you understand God responds to struggling people? Is there a witness in the house? You ain't got to be perfect for the Holy Spirit to respond to you. You just got The Bible says if you cry out, you shall be saved. Sometimes you just got to cry out, Jesus. Why are you in the alleyway? Jesus, why are you almost overdeeing? Jesus, why are you drunk at the skunk? Jesus, why are you going through the worst time of your life? Jesus. He'll come right where you are because he paid a price for you to win. He don't get no benefit for us losing. He don't get no glory for the enemy taking us over. He don't get no appreciation if we go back to hell. He wants us to win. I don't know. God's going to judge me. We got this, got this religious mindset that, you know, God is just waiting to throw me in hell. God's not waiting for If he wanted you to go to hell, he wouldn't have sent his son. He would have left his son right by his right-hand side and said, them folks don't want nothing. Now, we did see in the Bible when God got done with some folks. When God get done with you now, he told Moses, he said, look, I'm going to kill all these folks. I'm tired. 
They complaining all the time. They murmuring. They ain't never satisfied. I give them sweet bread every morning at the doorstep. They ain't got to sow it. They ain't got to harvest it. It's sitting at their doorstep. Now they don't believe I'm going to do it every day. They start hoarding it up. It turns into worms. And then when they crying about the sweet bread, now I want, they want some meat. Then I send in a wind and blow in quail. And then that ain't enough. And then they thirsty. And I could not tell you to go knock on the rock. And millions of gallons comes out in the middle of the desert. And they still complaining after I give them more than they can deal with. I'm taking them out. Why did God want to take them out? Because they weren't grateful. If you want to make God mad in this season of your life, don't be grateful. You better understand just because you're driving a Honda and not a Benz, amen, thank God you're driving because somebody ain't got no feet. How somebody ain't got no feet got more praise than a person that got three cars? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Somebody ain't got no hands. How is it that you ain't got the strength to clap your hands and somebody else is clapping, amen, in their mind because they don't have no hands or feet? Come on. Why is it somebody that has nowhere near the resources you have got more praise? Matter of fact, the truth of the matter is we were better praisers when we didn't have. Now, we got a little something now. We got to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But when we were sitting in the same jeans we've been wearing all week and we had the same t-shirt, amen, we sprayed some cologne on top of the shower we never took. Glory to God. And they said, give God some praise. We couldn't, you couldn't keep us down because we knew we wanted something then. We hungry for something then. We wanted a change in our life then. Don't us dare, don't us dare get blessed and act like we don't owe him praise. Because God said, I can take you back to when you used to praise me now. I can bring you back to where you used to be a praiser. If that's what I need to do. Because I ain't really worrying about your car or your house or your money or your 401k or your investment properties. I ain't really caring about all that. I need, I need praise from my people. I will shift the deeds and change the names. Amen. I'll shift it real quick. Glory to God. Because I need praise. All right, I'm, I'm not going to fuss at you no more on that one. Woo! Ah, my, 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 my. Can you imagine what it used to be like? How? Remember when a good meal was fast food? Remember when a good meal in college was noodles? Boy, don't get the beef ones. The beef, the beef, man, the, Get the beef, ramen, noodles, and boy, you know what I'm talking about? Get the noodles. That thing tastes like steak when you was in school. Some of y'all ain't in school. Some of y'all just in life. Boiling them noodles, boiling them potatoes. Y'all ain't hearing me up in here. And now you send it. Uh, this food is not acceptable. Send it back. I'm not eating that kind of food. We just get bougie now. There's a gratefulness that we can never lose when God reveals the greatness of who we are. Did you hear what I just said? There's a gratefulness that we can never lose once God reveals the greatness of who we are. It's not that he doesn't want us to be great. He just wants us to stay grateful while we're great. We owe him. 
Lord, have mercy. Isn't it crazy? I'm noticing church. Let me give some church statistics. I've learned over the 27 years of pastoring, I've seen a greater disparity. I'm not trying to throw no shade. I'm just trying to tell you some statistics. I've seen a greater disparity in the membership, in the people who are of a lower income bracket. They actually give more percentage based on their income than those who have greater increase. Lord, have mercy. Why is that? Why is it those who have less seemingly give more and the ones who have more give less? Well, I give $100, but you make six figures. The, the person making 20000 a year, twenty five, they're giving the same $100. They're giving the same seed that you're giving because they have a hope when you're now shifted into maintenance. <laughs> see, see, when you have hope, you sacrifice because you want something greater. The problem of it is, is that many of us, and I've been included in this, I'm preaching to myself too. Once we have accomplished certain levels of accomplishment that has satisfied us, we then shift our mindset to expectation and hope to maintenance. But the problem of it is, where you have gotten is not where God has, that's not your apex. And so we have stopped at a level that we're satisfied with, but it's not the level that God has created us to achieve. Just because you're making more than your forefathers doesn't mean that's your full potential. And so many of us stop sowing when God increases us a little bit and it keeps us at a level of normality instead of an exceptional level that God wants to have us at. I can see giving 100, but now God's saying give 1,000. Oh, my God, why would God tell me to give 1,000? I ain't never gave no $1,000 because there's, there's something greater. See, the $100 got you here of sacrifice, and now you're satisfied with this. I'm not raising an offer. I'm teaching a principle. And now that God has took you to this place, he wants you to hope for more because the more you do on earth, the more glory he gets. He gets more glory. I'm not teaching an offering. I'm teaching you a sacrifice. I'm teaching you how to ignite another level of capacity and bandwidth in your life. You grew up with dial-up from the phone line. We grew up, many of y'all, who grew up with dial-up? Plugging in the phone, DSL. We grew up with dial-up. Well, then we hyped when cable hit. I think it was... Our kids, my kids came home a little couple years ago and says, Dad, I don't like coming to your house because your, your internet's slow. It's slow. I said, I could do what I needed to do because I was grateful at the new speed because of my memory of the old speed. We get stuck with future increase because we have remembered the sacrifice or the suffering of a past experience. And we get to a place where I shouldn't expect too much or want too much because if I get too greedy, we call it greedy, instead of having what God wants for us, amen, we stop our level of hope changes once we have some stuff. So now we got internet that can go, help me, help me computer people, it can go, what, 100 megabytes or something like that? Is it 100 gigabytes or is it megabytes? Is it gigs now? Well, we used to deal with megabytes. Megabytes was smaller than the gigabytes, right? We used to be happy. Isn't it interesting? There's software programs and websites that won't even work unless you have a certain bandwidth. I'm trying to help you here. You still working 
on programs that match up with your bandwidth. But there, God's already created stuff that's for you, but unless you increase your bandwidth, you can't tap into it. You want the old bandwidth to work with the new revelation. How can you put new wine in old wineskins? It's going to bust. But you're so comfortable with what you know, you're not willing to learn the next level of your increase. Tap your neighbor and say, I got to learn more. I got to learn more. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, there's more faith to learn. There's, there's more hope to get. There's more, there's more power to tap into. Just because I've seen the bodies healed, just because I've seen six figures, just because I'm riding a Mercedes now, just because I live in a three-bedroom house, just because I got a two-car garage. Yes, that was a dream when I was 20, but now I'm 40, and there's something greater to believe for. When, when are we going to shift to the mentality where our hope is not in our generation but the generations to come? When can we shift to now we're living for the next two generations ahead of us that we're not even going to be around? We're, when, when is the, see, you really want to see God blow up in your life? Stop asking God for you. Start asking God for your children's children and you will see God release some stuff into your life. <laughs> that you could never imagine. You mean you working for the grandchildren you'll never see and the great, great grandchildren you'll never experience? They're going to know your name because you're going to leave a trust. You're going to leave real estate. You're going to leave businesses. You're going to leave money in place. You're going to leave your faith. They're going to be like, Grandma, Grand. they're going to say, Daddy, Mommy, how did we get all this stuff? Your great-great-grandmother believed God. Your great-grandfather stood on the word of God. They stood and they built business and they built increase and they built commerce and they stood, they saved their money, they paid their tithes, they gave their offering, they supported the work of the Lord. And if you want this blessing in your life, you need to do what they've done to the next level. We owe him. We owe him. We owe him. I'm glad that you got your degree. I'm glad you were the first one in your family to get the degree. I'm happy that you were the first one to be an entrepreneur and break out of the plantation. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm happy for you. But there's more. I'm glad that you're saved. I'm glad that you're sanctified. I'm glad that you're filled with the Holy Ghost. But, but possibly there's more ministry for you to do. Amen. What God has for you is on the other side of your comfort level. The man said on one of the pockets, one of the things I was showing, he was saying, he said, if you want to make $2 million, you need to have a million. You need to have a million to make $2 million in the next couple of years. There, you have to have something to sow to double what you want. You can't just have a desire and no seed. See, a lot of people have a lot of desire, but they have not prepared no seed. Come on, church. It's good that you want a mansion, but you got to learn how to pay rent first on time. You know? Come on, so you got to learn how to keep a job past, past you got to learn how to keep a, a job past your emotions. Because to get a mortgage, you got to be at the same job for two years. Amen. To get a mortgage yourself self-employed, you got to be in that business for two years. They got certain uh, endurance 
thresholds that you have to satisfy for them to give you credit and to give you opportunity. Well, Jesus has the same thing. Don't don't you think, realize that Jesus had his disciples working with him for three and a half years before he even released them into ministry? And even after three and a half years, they still had challenge. See, a lot of us, we're dealing with this popcorn age where nobody wants to serve, nobody wants to to, to follow nobody. But if you look at the pattern and, and the dynamic of the word of the Lord, nobody became great until they washed somebody else's hands first. Because you can hear, just because you, just because you can read the Greek and see, it's not the the Greek and the Hebrew, it's the life that has to be tested, not the knowledge. <laughs> Devil ain't scared of your knowledge; he's afraid of your life. What are you saying, preacher? When you have gone through things that you weren't supposed to make it through, it builds a skin on you a toughness on you, when you have survived stuff that others said you weren't supposed to survive, there's some stuff you ain't got to believe for because you lived through it. (laughs) Somebody say, I know, I know. There's some things that I taught you and you had to have faith to receive it. There's some things you walked through, you don't need faith no more because you walked through it. And now you know God is able because he has taken you through the valleys and the shadows of death. And now you know you fear no evil for thou art with me. See, I can teach you about it. But when you live through it, nobody needs to say nothing else about it for you. Because you know for yourself that God is able. And that's why the Bible says a bishop should not be a novice. It's not about how articulate you are and how good you can preach. It's the life that you've lived. You need to live long enough to prove what you say you believe. And many people are jumping into positions of authority and power in the kingdom without a life. They got people crowning them and putting anointing on them, but you ain't got no life. You ain't, you ain't endured a marriage that has struggled yet because you're on your third one. You haven't endured, amen, how to deal with finances because you're on your second bankruptcy. You haven't endured anything because you're not even sure what your identity is. Don't get me started. People are not going to follow you. They'll follow you for a little bit because you're charismatic, but they'll follow you for the long term because you have a life. Don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to quit their job. But you haven't even been the best at your job before you start working for yourself. Can I, I've been self-employed since I was 23 years old, so I can talk about this. You are always going to work harder for yourself than you will for anybody else. If you have a hard time working for somebody else, you're going you, to fire your own self. <sighs> Come on, entrepreneurs in the house. Any entrepreneurs in the house? It's not no nine to five. We think about our business when we sleep. We waking up four o'clock in the morning working about strategies. We want to call people back nine o'clock at night, but they're like, I wonder if they'll take the call at nine o'clock at night. I was thinking about me, I send them a text, you know, and if they, they, they respond back, I'll give them a call. I mean, we thinking about business all the time. You, 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 I check in five minutes to nine, I check out 505, I ain't thinking about this place no more. You might not be the best candidate to be an entrepreneur because you think you're just going to shift from being employed to being employed yourself. I mean, you're going to have to have a mindset shift 
in a tenacity that goes beyond eight hours. Eight hours keeps you where you are. It takes you 12 to 14 hours to build wealth, y'all. Y'all quiet. Why are you quiet? I said, you know what? You know, I'm tired. What, what, when you self-employed, we ain't got no benefits. We ain't got no, well, I'm emotionally distraught. We ain't got no counselor to go see. <laughs> I got a cough. I'm going to do your hair while I got a cough. I'm going to do your insurance while my back hurts. I'm going to, y'all ain't hear me. My kid's sick. I'm going to pray for my kid while I'm still doing this business. You self-employed, you, you don't have those breaks. I'm going to go on vacation for two weeks. <laughs> Not in your first three years. Not in your first three to five years, you ain't going nowhere. Going, you, you, you're going, you're going to Jiffy Lube. <laughs> you're, your break is going to be sitting in the line at Jiffy Lube waiting for your turn. That's going to be your vacation. <laughs> I got to get out of here. Whenever you want to build something that you've never had before, it's going to take you doing something you've never done before. A lot of you are here today because there's something I hope you're here today because you don't want to maintain where you are. You want to build where you are. I want to be the one that challenges you to one more. Because see, comfort is the devil to successful people. Once we get comfortable, it, it takes our, our hunger from us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Once you start living saved, and you start living a holy life, you, you can get a little judgmental because you forget when you used to struggle with stuff and now you look at other people struggling because you done got comfortable. But see, sometimes that, 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 that arrogance is just as sinful as the lust that you came out of. We got to still stay humble. We still got to be fervent. We still got to press toward the mark. We still got to seek the Lord while he may be found. We still got to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all that he's blessed us with. Don't you realize when I was very young in Christ, we fasted and prayed all the time because I had no job. I had no kids. I had no responsibilities. I could dedicate all my time to the Lord. And then I used to start feeling guilty, Corey, because the marriage happened, the kids happened, life happened. I had to go to work, and I couldn't commit all this time to the Lord. I felt guilty, and the Lord had to begin to tell me. He said, the time you had to give to me, you gave to me. But now you're going to serve me through a different capacity of who you are. Because going to work is worship. Taking care of your family is honoring me. Come on, somebody. Because some people get so spiritual, they ain't no earthly good. I had to learn that going to work and taking care of my family and honoring my wife and raising my children was ministry because it was the example that God wanted to present in the, in the, in the, in the world. So don't ever feel guilty doing what you're supposed to do. We did all of that and still had the pastor you at 28 years old. That's when we started. We started, God knows, we started pastoring at 28. That's crazy. But we did it, and we're still doing it at 55 because I didn't realize my capacity was this big until you push yourself. You don't realize how, how much you can do until you push yourself to the next level. We were sitting, just to show you this, and it's 11, it's, 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 I got to come on now. We had a decent church down in Clayton. We Actually, the church was pretty nice size. It was 150 seats. The church was paid for. My story. Church was paid for. Our church was paid for nine months, two years, nine months. 
paid for. Done. No debt. I got so happy with that thing. I was so happy I had no debt. Holy Spirit says, I need you to increase. We had about 100, 100 people, 120 people, and we were packing that place out. We was having church. It was all good. I was happy. Money was coming in. And the Holy Spirit says, you're too comfortable. I want you to go build. I want you to go buy this church down the street. I said, church when I got, he says it's not about the size, it's about the opportunity, I have an opportunity for you, and to take on the next opportunity, you're going to have to leave what you're comfortable with, can I, can I talk to somebody, there's a greater use somewhere down the street, but you got to leave the one that you're used to, <laughs> that's hard y'all, when you have a certain level of success, especially when it's better than anything you've experienced, to leave that. To, especially when other people are saying you're doing good. You got to stop dealing with the monitor system that's around you because the people around you cannot tell you that you're doing good because they don't know your full potential. They don't know you. The truth of the matter is they can't see you past them. It's just a natural thing. See, people can never see you past them. So they can't see you past them. So they're never going to really give you a word saying that you're ever going to be greater than them because human, the, the mentality of humans, they just can't see you past them. So they're never going to push you past them. Are you hearing me, church? So I come in here and I look at the thing. He says, I call the people and we make the deal and we buy this building with the few people that we had. And as soon as we bought the building, the people left. Ain't that crazy? As, I'm teaching you a principle here. As soon as you desire to go to the next level, it's not that they left you, you left them. Because their capacity is at the level that you used to be comfortable, but they can't go to the next level with you because that's not their capacity. But we have, we have emotions connected to people that we worked with, and the truth of that is they helped you possibly at that level, but they can't help you at this new one. You think you're better than us now? They'll say. You think you think you're special now? I am. But the truth of the matter is, I can't see how doing this, that, and the other. I don't see why we gotta buy a new church. It's not this new church ain't for you. This new church is for y'all that's here now. Y'all didn't get that. <laughs> see, they thought what God was pushing me into was for the ones that were present. God told me I needed this for you. Because some of you I would have never met if I didn't shift to this level. See, there's some people you can't meet at the level you're at. He has to take you to another level to meet your future. Because your future is at another level. If you stay at the level you're at, your future will go right over your head. And so I came in this building all, I'm going to be honest with you, I went through some emotions here. I felt like a failure because we bought this building and we was in here by ourselves for a year. We didn't have the money to renovate it. We have no nothing. The people's like, when, the community starts saying, when y'all going to start building the church? I said, when you give me some money, I start getting smart with them. I thought you said God told you to get that building. He did. I was bringing my poor saints in here. It was all cold, nasty concrete floor. Holy Spirit said, I want you to go kneel over here. In the concrete floor, I would come over here by myself and kneel over here, right here in this corner right here and pray by myself. Then he said, get up. I want you to go walk over here now. 
And I want you to, it was no carpet, wasn't no air, wasn't no heat, just a nasty concrete floor in my nice suit. Got me kneeling down. He, God don't care about your suit. He care about your obedience. He said, kneel over here and pray over here. And then he told me to get up and walk over here back in this corner because I didn't know it, but God told me to mark the ground where the blessing was going to be. And I began to walk around this place and pray in the corners. And now look at y'all sitting inside of where I used to pray when it was cold, when it wasn't no heat, when it wasn't no air. But if you pray by yourself at the next level, God will bring the increase. While I was doing that, I didn't see it. There's a season in your life going to the next level where you're not going to see it. You just got to be obedient to the instructions. And stop making, stop putting pressure on yourself like you got to explain people where you are when you don't know where you are yourself. Holy Spirit. And that's why I owe him so much, y'all. Because if a few people down in Clayton wasn't obedient to God, their souls, the hundreds and thousands of people that have come through this church since 2005, all the souls that got saved, lives that got changed, families that got birthed, children that got born, marriages and businesses that got birthed. Thank God. Thank God. Because if you're not careful, the enemy will make you feel like you ain't doing nothing. He'll make you feel like you ain't done nothing. But when I look back over my life, Come on, just take a second and look back where God has brought you from to where you are right now. And it's not that we stop struggling. I'm going to tell you right now, the struggle never stops. But the struggle here is different than the struggle up here. And the struggle here is different than the struggle up here. And, and if you focus on your struggle, you won't see your elevation. You don't even realize how high God has raised you up because you're so focused on the struggle. God told me to give you a word. Stop looking at what you're fighting and look at where you're standing. Say it again, Holy Ghost. Stop looking at what you're fighting and look at where you're standing. This is a production of Powerhouse Ministries Incorporated, located in Smyrna, Delaware, where Bishop Dwayne L. Bull and Pastor Sybil Bull are our senior pastors. Tune back in for another empowering sermon, class, or midweek service experience that we know is going to bless your life. As always, come with the experience.